What's happening? It's Contrast Uncut, season two, episode 29. Man, I wouldn't be able to do this without y'all. Shout outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. It's your host, Zylo, AKA DJ Wine Dollars, like I won some money. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a very, very important guest. I'm talking about, you have heard his music, no matter where you've been. You've seen him in concert, no matter where you've been. This man has worked like no other. From, from being in groups and billboard charting in groups to billboard charting as a solo artist, to be, you know, he's a pioneer, a trendsetter. Ladies and gentlemen, I got MC Magic in the building. Well, virtually. Hey! I, I appreciate I appreciate that nice uh, uh, intro, love. Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's, bro, your history's out there. You know what I mean? Like I grew up in LA and I heard your music every Wednesday, Locos, Peta Locos, and it led me to like, all right, what's this, what's this, what's this? And like, uh, just real quick, like my grandfather's from Mexico and he swam across the border and fought in World War One. And you know, my mom, uh, she, you know, grew up and raised us out here, but she never taught us Spanish. But so through hip hop, I was able to really understand like the stuff going on in LA and understanding some Spanish. I understand if someone called me a bitch or called me some shit because of the you know the music. <laughs> the music, yeah. Actually, there was there was a time there was a time when if you spoke Spanish in the USA, regardless of what your origins were, they, it, it was frowned upon. And so there's 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 a there's a, there's a few generations that 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 specifically purposely did not teach their kids Spanish because they would be made fun of or, or put in a box. But fortunately, they weren't able to erase the language here in the USA. And, you know, nowadays we live with carnicerias, panaderias, taquerias, or eloteros. You know, really, we're still in Mexico. You feel me? <laughs> real talk, real talk. Shoot, my stomach loves being Mexican. Are you kidding me? Amen. Uh, so let me go into my quote. And uh, we'll keep on digging in and, you know, weigh in how you feel. If it relates to you, I want to hear it. If it doesn't relate to you, I still want to hear it. Okay, let's go. When people say I can't or I mustn't, I always say I can and I will. Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, that, that that's an awesome way to think because, uh, you know, nothing great ever happened by laying on the couch. You feel me? Real talk. Real talk. No. Nothing great ever happened by watching TV, by playing video games. Everything happens when you get up and just do it. And so, yeah, the people who say can't, uh, I think are the people that are afraid uh, to put in the elbow grease, to put in the work to do it. Now, can is possible, but possible does not come easy. Right, right. It takes work, dedication, preparation. So I feel that, you know, I, I, I like that Oscar de la Hoya quote. It's, it's right on target. Like I said, you know, you, when you buy a couch, you buy a comfy couch. You know what I'm saying? And so nothing, nothing great ever happened from comfort zones. Oh, I like that. Cause that speaks so much volumes. And you know, you put such good points because nothing comes to anybody overnight other than a dream. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the reality is you got to work towards the dream. You gotta take those I can and I will and and I won't and I mustn't and really make them into a reality of what's gonna drive you to today. And you I mean, know, you you could dream about a podcast, but you you're doing it. You feel know I me? Mean? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's to be commended. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Now I could dream about interviewing MC Magic, but I'm doing it right now. That's right. 
You hear me? Man. So, man, shout out to your manager. I got to make sure I give him love. Shout out Daryl, because he really set this up. Yeah, no, Big D, he, he stay on it. He sent me the reminder and everything. He stays on it. Man. He's the real one. Man, shout out, shout out. Because, you know, shout out to everybody really working right now during quarantine season. We don't get enough appreciation for everyone working, including you. I see the keyboard behind you. You're working. You're working on getting content out during this time because you know what got people out the Great Depression? Entertainment, music. Entertainment. And so I appreciate you. I think work is important, man. And, and uh, you know, and, and quite frankly, you know, even though I travel a lot, do a lot of concerts, and I'm always on the road, usually from Sunday to Thursday, I'm right here in my lab. So quarantine is not that different than my regular life. You know? <laughs> I feel you, man, for real. Cause like, you know, for me, I felt like I was on the road. I was going to everything. Cause my show is unique on top of the content. I pull up on you. I want to see what you're, what you're going to got going on. And let's add that to the interview and show those elements because you know, being real is nothing until you see it. Everybody wants to be real until some real shit happens. And then you show them some real shit. And it's like, you know, the content's there, the, the abilities there. And then boom, coronavirus, quarantine hits. Yeah. Yeah. You know, figure it out. It's funny, man. It's funny how the, how the world is right now. And really, man, I'm just keeping my faith in Jesus, baby. Amen. Amen. Keep my faith in Jesus. The Bible says, trust no man. And everyone on TV talking about it looks like a man to me. Yeah, real talk. <laughs> no, yeah, that's hell real. So, you know, since, since we got that out there, you're a faith man and, and you believe and you're willing to take a no and turn that into a yes and put a chip on your shoulder. How did, you know, did the game choose you or did you choose the game? Uh, I wish I could say the game chose me. I can say music chose me uh, because music called me ever since I was real little. It was just like a magnet to me. Uh, and so I started DJing, later writing songs, later learning to produce and stuff like that. So I can't say the game chose me because uh, although people might look at the work I've done and say, man, this guy, this guy has done a lot. There's, uh, you know, I've taken a lot of losses. There's a lot of wishes that never came true. There's a lot of, you know, hits that, that didn't be as big as I wanted them to be. And so you know, if everything is perspective, you know, people might look at me and say, man, he's right here, but I'm looking at Dr. Dre and saying, I'm down here. Uh, perspective, you're absolutely right. Cause you gotta be able to really be honest with yourself and where you're at and where the ceiling of complexity is or where it's rising to to meet it. And yeah. uh, I respect that. Cause you know, that shows the ambition of being humble and hungry. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, we got we gotta be humble. We gotta be hungry, we gotta be willing to put in the work. You know, Denzel Washington says, nothing replaces hard work, nothing. No, you're right, you can only add to it. Yes. And so, you know, I gotta ask, as we're talking about the beginning here, you know, music, you choosing music, uh, what was like your confirmation? What was like, you know, the first time where it was like, you know, you were like, man, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't need to do anything else. I'm not gonna go work a corporate job. I'm not gonna go do, you know, what What? What was that moment? You know, I, I can honestly say my first, my first uh, night, day event that, that, that turned me around and said, music is what I'm gonna do forever, is uh, like, we grew up in public housing. You know, the government give, gave my mom a house and, you know, and, and the rent was according to how much she was earning. 
And so that's, you know, stuff, uh, that's government housing, right? Section eight. And so living in section eight, living in government housing, we moved, they moved us to a city called Avondale, right outside of Phoenix, you know, like 15 minutes outside of Phoenix. And so when I arrived in Avondale, it felt like a new beginning. And, and uh, one, of, one of the girls that lived, you know, uh, one of my neighbors, she said, I'm having a birthday party. Do you know any DJs? And straight up on the lie, I said, yeah, I'm a DJ. I'm a DJ in Phoenix. I'm like, she, she's an Avondale, she don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, what, what, her name was Shirley actually. And, uh, and Shirley said, well, won't you DJ my party then on Saturday? And I'm like, well, there's a couple of details. I don't have any equipment. <laughs> I don't have any equipment, but um, let's get it together. I says, uh, maybe I could pull out the stereo in my mom's living room and we can put together with the stereo in your mom's living room. And, and I go back and forth, you know, with, with your turntable, my turntable, and we can go ahead and get this party cracking. She said, oh yeah, let's do that. And I said, I'm, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need an advance though. I'm gonna need like $20 to go buy some, some seven inch records. For, for the party. And so her mom gave me $20. I went I went to uh, to a record store there in Avondale and um, two songs that I remember kept playing over and over that night. They were brand new songs back then. Uh, rap hadn't really been introduced to the scene back then, right? Uh -huh. um, and so I remember playing, um, playing uh, Cutie Pie, You're the Reason Why, right? Yeah. That one and a Zap record. It was. It wasn't more balanced. It wasn't computer level. It was dance floor. Uh, wow. So I had dance floor and Cutie Pie, and those two records still, when I hear them, reminds me of that night. Wow. So that night when I DJ Shirley's party, I was like, man, this feels like like magic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It really did. And so after DJing, I knew music was gonna be. In, in my future, you know? Wow, yeah, absolutely. And so when were you able to transfer the heat of like, you know, like taking that 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 spotlight to a degree of the attention that you got from doing it that night and transfer it into to making music and, you know, becoming what you were spinning? Yeah, well, there was lots of years and lots of steps, but long story short, I went ahead and got my, my DJ equipment and then I started uh, doing dances at the community center, making a little bit of money. And then from there, um, I moved out of my mom's house and I moved back to Phoenix. And when I was in Phoenix, that's when I learned to make beats. A friend of mine, Rob, he's the one that had a beat machine and he had an Insonic, uh, Insonic EPS 16 plus. And so he had that. And so I watched him make beats. So I bought me one and then I paid him a hundred bucks to teach me how to use it. See, there's some important elements that I want to make sure my viewers and listeners hear. He's saying that he started off his very career by saying, hey, I need $20 to do this. And he went Amen. out, took that money, invested into what he was doing, believed in what he was doing, even though he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. And then took it to the next level of, you know, here I go again, I'm back at it again. I want to do the next level, I move back. I need to learn how to turn off my messenger on this laptop. And then here you go again, you know, here's the opportunity and back to Phoenix and you're like, man, he got this, he got this, he's doing this. I want to do it. And what do you do? You invest in yourself again with the money you made by doing events in the community. And it's just important that people hear this, like, cause everybody thinks that it's just going to happen overnight. And 
it's important to have like the pioneers really just give off the blessings of their story like this because there's in such core values in investing in yourself and believing. And so, you know, I'm sorry, I had to jump in and, and add that because people, it's, it may be like what you're supposed to do. You felt that it was what you're supposed to do. But a lot of people get that same feeling and then they think about a burger or they think about a girl or they think about some other things and then, you know, that money they could have invested in themselves to have tenfold what they spent that night, it ended. Yeah, nah, investing in yourself is the best investment you can make. Even if the investment is spending 15 minutes on a YouTube tutorial learning how to play guitar. Learn, even if that's your investment, investing in yourself is the best type of investment you can do because, you know, once it's in you and you got it, it's yours. They can't take it from you. Yeah, I like to say that all the time. It's in me, not on me. I try to put new things on me all the time, but what's yeah. in me stays there and, you know, I'm happy you're able to bring that up without even me saying it. You made me want to say it. I'm sorry. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, what happened after your boy taught you how to make the, after uh, your boy Rob taught you how to make the beats and you paid him a hundred bucks? Like, you know, just sum it up. I I know it's out there, but I love hearing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was liberating to me because I now was able to to take ideas from my head put them into the, into the sampler workstation and output them to an actual CD. So basically my dreams became physical now. And when you, and when you got a physical copy of it, now you can turn it into money, even if it's a dollar, even if it's $2, if it's $10. So it, it was, it was, man, it, it's amazing. It was amazing to be able to do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so we, we was on to the next, to the next uh, obstacle, you know? Because at that point, you're independent, you're a pioneer, because I guarantee you nobody else in your area was doing that like that. And it's 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 just so nice to hear. Because, you know, you have so many people that won't even do it today. They won't grassroot their fans. They won't take the time to press up anything and put it out there in the streets. And yeah, it's saturated because people did it back then, but it's, are people doing it now? And that was the element. What are the people well, doing? Well, the, the era has changed nowadays because of the platforms that are available. You gotta, you gotta remember that, but when I was doing all this, there was no such thing as, as Google. There was no such thing as the internet. And so people would have a hard time imagining what life was like before cell phones, before the internet, you know what I'm saying? But, but mu music has always been a magical piece of history, whether, you know, it was back in the day they were going to see it at the opera. Music has always been a special part of the community. And so music has survived all the eras. You know what I'm saying? Right, facts. All the generations. And so today, I personally feel it's a lot easier because you can build a fan base on the internet very quickly if you have the right tools, if you got the right dedication and the right work ethic. You know, it can be done. They can. Be, there's lots of people that are famous just because they're famous. <laughs> you feel me? There's lots of people that are it's because they put in the work, you know, and, and whoever was watching the other side of the screen, they kept their attention. So the hustle has changed a little bit. You got to be able to deliver still, whether it's music, whether it's guitar playing, whether it's telling jokes, whether it's doing comedy skits, you got to deliver. And when you deliver something, the, the, the consumer has the, uh, has the choice of either listen to it watch it and ignore it or listen to it watch it and then text it to somebody 
when your stuff is good enough to share with somebody, it's good enough to go. You see what I'm saying? Because word of mouth is the best form of advertisement still. You know, when you see a cold meme, something that makes you laugh, you either share it or you send it to one of your homeboys or, or, or your girl. And it's because it was that worthy to deserve a share. You know what I'm saying? Facts, facts. That's how society's going right now. And back in the day, it was word of mouth. You had this CD and you got it from this corner and you was like, man, I got it. He be posted over here. And then yeah. he got this, he got this. And then, you know, they go back and meet there. And so yeah. it's crazy how it's transforming. You know, there's highs and lows through those transitions and you have to keep on reinventing yourself through those times. And so my question to you is, you know, weigh in on how you reinvented yourself and, and you know, the process of, through the highs and lows, the, the, the fake promises, the false hope, the, the losses turned into lessons learned. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the number one thing I'm gonna keep going back to is grind, hustle, 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 because there came a time when, uh, when uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't making, my hits, were, they stopped being played on the radio. The radio stopped playing my hits because they were moving on to the newer hits. And so when you, when, you, when you drop that off, remember, there's no internet back then. So when the radio stops playing you, it's like the internet stopped playing you, you feel me? Right, right. So I, so I had to learn how to, you know, make a new hustle. I had to get in front of people. So I started uh, booking myself at fairs. I'd go out to like the, the Arizona State Fair. I'd go to the Navajo Nation Fair, Pima County Fair. Uh, you know, uh, Southern New Mexico State Fair. I'd be set up as a booth in an era where no rapper was doing that. I was inside the fairgrounds. And these places, like to get a booth to be there for two weeks cost five, seven grand. And so a lot of people are like, man, I can't afford that. I can barely afford a $20 spot at the swap meet. But being inside the fairgrounds, I had access to thousands of people every day. Right. And so that hustle kept me alive. I mean, I would make $2,500 a day. I would make, you know, $6,000 in a week, uh, or a weekend, stuff like that. Um, because we had to figure something out. And during that time, the internet and, 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 and uh, MySpace, Facebook and YouTube were gonna start jumping off. And as soon as I figured out how to get on there, all the people that saw me at the fairs, all the people that saw me at the swap meet, all the people that they started to reconnect with me. Oh, that's that dude from so and so. That's the that's the number one thing that people say to me is, I remember you from that one fair. I remember you from that one dance, that one concert, that one place, or you made a song for people remember these things. And so when I was able to reconnect with them, then I was able to join the new wave of people. That's reinventing. Is that is never giving up. Reinventing is never giving up. Whew. How did you uh, connect, like, make the connection with the Art LeBeau's audience and you guys connecting on that level? Because th that audience loves MC Magic. Because, you know, after I come on, then there's Art LeBeau. It's almost like y'all go hand in hand. You can't get no uh, Art LeBeau without MC Magic in there. I'm glad you guys brought that up because Art LeBeau has been such a blessing in my life. And, uh, and I was actually doing a favor for a friend of mine. I was editing a radio commercial for a promoter. His name is James. James has now passed on. So James said, I'm having a concert in Tucson. And the guy who's going to voice the commercial, his name is Kid Corona. He says, can we produce the commercial at your studio? I said, yeah, come on down. I got you. 
So that day I did a favor for James. I recorded his commercial, I edited it, I produced it. Kid Corona from the radio station was so impressed on my efficiency, my studio, my ability, that he's like, yo, man, you made me sound amazing. <laughs> yo. So Kid Corona said, I'll play any one of your songs on the radio. Just tell me which one. Wow. Just that, that, just to get a favor to favor, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it just so happened that Kid Corona was working at Hot 98, and the radio station was owned by Art LeBeau. Oh. So when, when when Kid Corona played my song Lost in Love, it became like an instant hit on his night show, to the point where Art LeBeau got word that Kid, that Kid Corona was playing this little record and Art's like, well, let me hear what's going on. And when Art heard it, he became an instant supporter of it. And that's where that's where our story began right there. Wow. That was in 1996. Wow. 1996. And so that radio station where Kid Corona used to work, eventually uh, Clear Channel bought it from Art LeBeau and then Clear Channel changed their name to iHeart. Yes. So now it's an iHeart station, but back then it was an Art LeBeau station. You know, uh, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. So that's where my story with Art LeBeau began. And here we are, you know, 30 years later, he still got my back. Yeah, still doing it hard, going hard too. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love Art. Art is, art is amazing. And I think that people love him because he's genuine. That's something hard to find in this era. It's something that's genuine, you know what I'm saying? Facts, 100% facts. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I, that's the real reason why I feel like I'm getting the opportunity I'm getting because I have a genuine aspect of wanting to know because, you know, your ability to talk about it and these listeners to hear it, they get the approach that, you know, I can do it. I got the right hustle. I started thinking about how can I have more ears listening to what I'm doing and how do I connect that? You know, it's going to still transfer waves right now. And so, you know, that's mm -hmm. a lot of the reason why I have this platform. So I'm, I'm really blessed you brought that up right now because genuineness creates relationships and relationships that you created with, with Kid Corona to the station to Art LeBeau is lasting 30 years. You yeah. know, that's longevity. Yeah, yeah. That, that value, people just like, they, they dismiss it. Like the feeling of normal is so underrated that, you know, the same feeling of longevity and working with somebody for that many years, they think that it's no importance. And that's why people have became fucked up. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, like Kid Corona, you know, we, we started we started on, on, on just a, a cool friendship. And, you know, to this day, we're still good friends. Just like, just like Art LeBeau and myself. Uh, you know, even the fellows, the fellows that were with me in MB Riders, they're still, you know, they're still cool with me as well. And so, you know, sometimes it's hard, it's hard to, to, uh, you know, to stay 100 because a lot of people fall off, you know, especially in the, in these day and era when it's real, when it's, when it's real popular to diss somebody publicly, to go beef with somebody publicly, to call somebody out, to humiliate people, to bully somebody. It's hard to stay 100 with folks, you know what I'm saying? Uh, just because it's popular not to be, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, fool, they got arrested for uh, uh, for uh, saying he don't give a damn about coronavirus and he was still gonna have his party and hang out in the street. Dude got arrested. Be like, yo, man, quit playing, you know what I'm saying? And so he was, he was, he's probably trying to get, you know, Instagram famous, trying to go viral or something, you know? And so a lot of times buffoonery will get you in trouble, but being real, is it, is not as easy, but it is it, the right thing to do. 
Man, they say it's always harder to lie. I mean, it's always harder to tell the truth than it is to lie. And, you know, it, it lies into the fact that if you are being real, you are being 100 with people, you know, you got to deal with the consequences of what you say and be also be able to maneuver and stay true to yourself so that they see it. And a lot of people are hard headed. They don't want to see it. And so you also have to recognize that and know when to walk away. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I mean, you got to stay far away from BS as possible. That's just this is a given. Yes, sir. No, if it looks and smells like shit, it probably is. But you know what's crazy is that our society glorifies on the shit. They glorify on the bullshit, on the, the negative attitude. And so I try to, one, not spend too much time on it, and two, focus on what needs to have attention to. Because, you know, they got that option in these streets all day long. Like, yeah. nonstop. If you want some negative shit, go out there, be tough, and someone will be more tougher than you. Or, or you could be the bad guy and get your ass caught up and sit down. And I so, mean, that, 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 I mean, that just, that just uh, uh, a silly mindset. You know, nobody, nobody is bulletproof, baby. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. No, nobody is bulletproof. So a bullet to put anybody in check right quick. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's a, whether it's a straight bullet, a bullet from a, 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 an opposing uh, whatever, or a bullet from the police. A bullet don't discriminate. It just kills. Real talk. It has no names. It just has a destination for when that 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 fire that fire pin hits it. Yeah. So you know, I got a I got an old saying that I really like: when you play with fire, eventually you're gonna get burned. Real talk. Real talk. Man, you got anything? No, you got you summed it up with a lot of that. I mean, the history that you bring, and that's what's so dope about what I've always um, admired about you as an artist, Magic, is that. You know, there's not too many artists that come from our era or that era that still surpass and stays afloat with what goes on in this world. And I'm not just talking about your older fans. You have an abundance of younger fans, too, that just yeah. know that still have those type of songs that resonate through relationships and going through those type of things. It's not always a turn up situation or party. People still need to hear the love and the um, sorry and, you know, those type of things that give us feelings. And you, you, you know, have been able to stay with that for the longest, bro. Timeless. Yeah. It's been timeless. And, you know, it I, to be honest with you guys, I wish I could make turn up records that was as dope as, you know, some of these other artists. But I just got to be true to who I am. And, you know, the relationship, the love record, the breakup record. Uh, the, you know, the that's just really who I am. I'm not faking it, you feel me? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Being true you know, to yourself. Yeah, I'm gonna let 50 be 50 and I'm gonna be me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'll meet y'all at Magic City, but just know that came from me. That's right, that's are, right. Are you ever surprised when you see younger fans that, that approach you and just say, hey man, we love your music, you, you know, like you get a little, you know, teenage girl, 17 years old, like, man, you helped me get through this relationship with my dumb boyfriend at this time <laughs> yeah I, I i can't i can't say that i'm surprised because i put so much work into it uh into making a song that like if a song moves my heart i know it's gonna move a young girl's heart yeah. so it doesn't surprise me because that's the age where people are more vulnerable is is the teenage years so many people say oh my god your music reminds me of middle school that's really the target the target uh, emotional era, like oh. girls from middle middle school onto the early twenties, that has always been my not not that I'm aiming for that, but that's always been my number one demographic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. so, 
I'm not surprised. You know, I'm not surprised because when I write the songs, I want to make sure that I feel it. I want to make sure I feel the emotion because, you know, I, I, those are the kind of songs that really got, got to me. You know, I was listening to my mom play Juan Gabriel and you know I don't know if you guys know about Juan Gabriel but his songs they hit the heart baby they're like like real I was explaining to my neighbor the other day um, that I was really big, big fan of Babyface I says if you put Babyface and Zap kind of tied into one that's kind of my style Zap and Baby he's like Babyface I would never imagine I was, I was like, I was a label reader. I would read the labels and discover that Babyface was writing all these hits, you know, for Bobby Brown, for Tony Braxton, for okay. After Seven. Uh, him and L.A. Reid, they started La Face Records, and almost everything that was out, like TLC, Boys to Men, all these huge records that, you know, in my era, that they were influenced me on, Babyface is doing everything. So he really influenced me because I wanted to do something like what he was doing as well. Uh-huh. And so... Basically, Bayface is a love song, right? You feel me? Right. Some of the best. Some of the greatest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Relevant to this day. <laughs> oh, my, come on. Now, just in, in January, me and my wife, for her birthday, we went to Vegas to see Babyface, and he's still amazing. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, though, though you guys make songs where, where the fellas can't really speak for themselves, so they play y'all music to speak for us. You know what I'm saying? We got the pride that makes us say, we can't say sorry, but let me put on this magic of baby face and that's sorry enough. <laughs> battle of lyrics. You can, I'll take you that. Emotion. We got battle of lyrics for you because, you know, he's real because, you know, a lot of the time we can't get that expression like we want to. We, we can't I mean, love ourselves, but. A lot of guys can call somebody and tell them this and that, but when baby face says, when will I see you again? Like, oh, <laughs> damn, you want to see me again? You feel me? Yeah. When can my heart beat again? Come That's on now. The truth. That's hard. Yeah. Oh man. So you know what? As much as I want to keep on digging into the music, I don't want to get a bill because I got you singing a couple of times. So let's go on some <laughs> awareness segment. Oh, you want to the awareness segment? What'd you say? Yeah, I got an awareness segment. You know, it's it's actually a, just a big common topic. And you know, I, I thought, you know, as the platform I have. I want to find a way to introduce it. And I'm talking about, you know, interactions with police. And a lot of these youngsters and even adults don't know what to do when the red and blue lights hit, that high beam hits the back of your neck and searches for everyone's head in the car. And then you hear the blur sound. So I asked my guests, you know, when was the last time they were pulled over? So, you know, one, awareness of you getting through the situation and two, of some of the stuff you were doing so that you got out of the situation. To be honest with you, I'm not a, uh, because I work in the public, I'm not out in the public that often if I'm not working. So the last time I got stopped was for a speeding ticket. And you know, I wouldn't go, I wasn't going 25 over the speed limit. So the cops would say, no, yo man, can you slow down? And I think, I think the last time I got stopped was probably just gave me a, gave me a warning because I haven't had a speeding ticket in so long. Uh, so that's my last time. But then again, I'm not that dude that be in the clubs either. And I, I ain't turning up like, you know, you know, dudes like to jump in the car together and let's go find some trouble or let's go find some fun. Usually fun and trouble are around the same thing. I've never been that guy. I'd rather be at home writing a love song. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys hear that? Take the time and slow down. That's, that's yeah. basically the best advice he's giving you guys is slow down. You know, there's better things that are out there. You ain't got to go chase it. You can write about it and it'll come to you. 
Yeah, it's investing in yourself too. So you know what I'm saying? Ooh. When you do something, you invest in yourself, and and, and let the cop get you. You don't lose investments. Right, right. Man, what's one thing that you could leave with these youngsters that they need to think about before they, you know, they get out there and do some dumb shit, some fun shit? All right, I'm gonna preach a little bit just because uh, I am a father. I got three boys, and I've always try to guide them, you know, in the right direction. And one of the most important lessons that I teach my kids is if you never start, you only have a problem. Life already has a bunch of obstacles. The obstacle of making money, of having a career, of being successful, the obstacle, you know, of finding the, the right girl for your life. There's already lots of obstacles, paying your taxes on time, all that stuff. Don't put more obstacles than you need. What I, what I mean by that is, when you start smoking and drinking and partying and acting up, really, you put more obstacles in your life and you're never gonna get to that destination because I ain't never seen nobody drunk do something good, ever, <laughs> ever. Real talk, no, that's real talk. And then I'm happy you brought something up in there while you were preaching. You're a dedicated dad, and I gotta make sure I ain't got my hat on, but I take my hat off to all my dedicated fathers and I make sure I give you guys your flowers because, you know, one, being in the industry and being in the limelight, people forget that you gotta come home and balance. And so, I, you know, I respect that. And then I asked the question to you gentlemen, you outstanding fathers, how do you balance? Uh, my family keeps me in check. Uh, like when I'm at home, I'm not MC Magic. I'm that fool that needs to take the garbage out. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> <laughs> you can't see my wife at the love room, but I to be like, yeah, finish your life because you need to cut the grass. You know. <laughs> so yeah, they, they don't, they don't, they don't let it go to my head. They don't treat me with no, with no uh, exceptional uh, um, uh, privileges. As a matter of fact. They try to keep me as down to earth as possible, and I be having to fight with them. So you know, <laughs> I be having yeah, y'all give me a damn break here. Uh, so uh, it's really it's just about keeping it real. It's about keeping it real. We're all human, you know. We're all human, and so uh, just be the best human you can be. Whether you're famous or not, whether you're half famous, whether you're trying to be famous, just be the best human you can be. That's even better than being famous. All right, right, right. That's man, uh, humanitation. Yes. So I have this segment called Trading Places. You know, I grew up like, you know, pretty much like my dad had a whole bunch of money. He invented this cab company called Valley Cab in the late 80s. And then he passed away in 91. So I didn't grow up with my dad. But make a long story short, we grew up poor because my mom made poor choices. And so <laughs> it's in me, not on me. And I was like, well, how do I have a segment where pretty much like I want to wake up or be something that I want to be and then talk about it? And so I was like, well, let's flip it. Let's do a thing like Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, and have two iconic people wake up in different lives and then talk about it. So that's how this segment got invented. And for you, we already talked about one of the people and I'm gonna throw in someone else. And question number one is, will it work? And question number two is, what would life be like if these two people traded places? You ready? Yeah, yeah, like who like, like who am I trading places with? Am I picking it? No, or are you no, 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 I'm picking it, I'm picking it. Uh, okay. If you're not trading, if we're going to talk about these two people trading places. Oh, it's okay. Martin okay. Lawrence and Oscar De La Hoya trading places. You know, will it work, number one? Uh, I think it would work. I think it would work because when you trade places, 
when if you trade places, um, those are already two successful people, people that have been in, in the in, you know in the public eye, people that have been able to build their careers from their craft, and so all they have to do is adapt a little bit because really all food is just ingredients. Can you just can you put that on a repeat? Say that again for us, Magic. I, mean, I was DJing right now because I would put that on. Run that back. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it would work. I think they're both successful people, and uh, you know they've already done a, a bunch of things. We all have uh, trials. You know, nobody is perfect. You know, the, the like the richest people in the world may have some of the biggest problems. You know. Right. Right. And right. so and so you know money don't fix everything. But when you see somebody that has that, that has been able to survive the trials, the obstacles, like I said before, the obstacle that life presents, whether it's Martin Lawrence or Oscar De La Hoya, I think at a switch, they figure it out. So what would uh, some things be like differently, one each? You know, give me something that'd be different about Oscar De La Hoya if he was Martin Lawrence, and what would be one thing different about Martin Lawrence if he was Oscar De La Hoya? Um, well, if they switch places, you know, Oscar De La Hoya is definitely going to have to learn a lot more about the black culture. <laughs> you know? Facts. He's definitely going to have to learn a lot more about the black culture because we think we know, but until we're there, you know what I'm saying? Until you're actually, you know, drowning in milk, you don't know how, how, how bad it is to drown in milk. You feel me? Right. And so, and I say for uh, Martin Lawrence, he's definitely going to learn uh uh, the beauty of the Mexican culture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we ain't, we ain't just burritos and tacos. There's a lot more to it. Oh, no, oh, no, man. no. Man. The culture. Yeah, y'all backbones is in this country more than us. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, so, I mean, the culture clash is a good thing, too, though. I think I think culture clashing is, you know, being able to go, in, like, when I go to other countries and I get to see how they live, how they might change their transportation system just a little bit than what we have in America. I'm like, oh yeah, why do we think of that? Just little things, you know? Like, I always wonder why in Europe, the steering wheel is on the right-hand side, not on the left-hand side. And they design all their streets like that. Yes. That's crazy, right? No, and I don't like how like, you know, New Orleans, they got these cobblestone streets like we're still supposed to be in France. Mm-hmm. I get his French, but <laughs> shit, come on, come on. I mean, can't even drive over here. It works for tourism. <laughs> so I have this next segment. It's called Impulse Q&A, and uh, they got, like, random questions. They're, like, good fan questions on these cards, and we pick them randomly. Like, I don't even know what they say. And uh, you got an option to pass, and we'll go from there. Uh, you got any questions? Nah, shoot them. Question number one. What would be the worst movie sequel ever made? What would be the worst movie sequel ever made? Uh, man, I'm not so much on movies, but I, uh, the worst. I only watch good movies. <laughs> you could pass. We could pass. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't even know. Put it I wouldn't the even last know. movie you saw that you said, you know what, I wouldn't. That was good the way it was. I wouldn't want to see a sequel to it. Uh, I just watched. I, I'm, I'm watching. I'm not done with it. Watching that dumb Tiger King. As dumb as it is, <laughs> as dumb as it is, it's crazy. 
Oh my god. Too bad there's more Tiger King coming. <laughs> hey, the memes involved with Tiger King has had me crying. They, the coronavirus got a scapegoat with the Tiger King because they think yes. that, that Amy lady did it all. Hey, you know what? Sure. Coronavirus was the best thing that ever happened to Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably loving the attention he never got in his life. Question number two. If you got stuck in an elevator and were forced to listen to only one song, what song would you pick? The song is called Antes de Ti by Mon Laferte, without a doubt. Man, he answered with confidence. He said, don't play with me. Put that in the damn elevator just so you can lock it. <laughs> listen, listen guys, Mon Laferte is my new addiction right now. Her music is so amazing. Uh, born in Chile, uh, started her music career in Mexico. Just yesterday when I was cutting the grass, I think I listened to it on repeat for about 39 times. Wow. Yeah, so there it is. Now I'm gonna go listen to her now. Thank yeah, you. she's amazing. Question number three. Do you have any superstitions? I'm not very superstitious at all. You know, if I believe in Jesus and that's probably the most superstitious I can be and I think that's the best superstition to have is, you know, faith in the Lord. But as far as, you know, black cats and, and uh, uh, I, mean, I only, I only, I only like like to watch stuff that's that even offers that. Like I don't watch scary movies. I don't watch Blair Witch type stuff. Uh, you know, I just that that ain't any of my thing. I like things that are real. Yeah, no, that's dope. So, do you have like a, a certain thing you do before every time you perform? Is it like do you pray before you perform or before you make music? Is there something you do? Yeah, I definitely, definitely pray, uh, but we pray, I pray oftentimes during the day as well, just to get the day started, uh, in the middle of the day, before we get in the car, before we eat, we always, we always got to be thankful, because, uh, you know, a lot of times in this day and age, it's easy to take things for granted, like people didn't believe the coronavirus, <laughs> we took life for granted, yeah, you know, and so, uh, I'm, I'm real thankful, because God has been good to me, you know, he's put me through some tough times that made me tougher. Uh, and so, and so, I, you know, I'm, I'm real thankful, you know, to to Jesus for dying on the cross for me. And uh, yeah, so I mean, if anything, prayer is the most important thing, uh, you know, next to hard work. Yeah, give all glory to God because that's you know the snowball effect of going downhill only happens when it takes some other things involved. Universal oh, yeah. work, you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, let me ask you this. What are you most excited for coming up? You know, I asked this question because number one is coronavirus and everyone's been down about the reality of what they can and cannot do of regular things. So, and two, it's important to be excited for the work you have done, the work you are putting out, because, you know, you do have accolades and, and you are a era of timeless music that is getting played and played and played, especially during right now. Can you imagine, you know, there's people that are breaking up because they cannot see their significant in a different household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about Benji. Somebody must have knocked on the door or something. Um, <laughs> Is that a rat or a German Shepherd? No, he's a, he's a, Labr a Labradoodle. Well, he barked like a big ass dog. Yeah, Benji, come here, baby. Come here. Benji, can you guys quiet him down, please? All right, sorry about that. No, it's all good. I love the realness. 
it is real. I mean, we, we can't fake the funk, you feel me? Facts, facts. No, I'm actually happy my kids didn't bust down the door on me and call me. Yeah, my kids will bust in. They don't care who I'm talking to. They just want the dad's attention. And then I'll be like, I'm working. And then they'll make fun of me. Like, you know, you all planned. You did this so that you can make fun of your dad during the interview. That's what you want to do. The kids are six and three. Oh, damn. Good luck, my brother. <laughs> yeah, my baby is 21. I'm Gucci. Oh, yeah. oh. Hey. Brother, mine just turned 21 last month. I'm with you. <laughs> See, he said, he said, praying hands. It's, it's a different world when your kids are grown. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man. I, I, I've already been through the fire, over the hill, all that good stuff. And <laughs> yeah, he said, I'm just ready to walk her down the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> Always I, no I said, I'm not ready for grandkids for another 10, 15, 20, 40 years. <laughs> there you go. There you go. My little ones don't have any kids. My 21 and 23 year old, but uh, my oldest does have a daughter, uh, uh, Zoe, and her sister. Yep. Uh, my uh, daughter's name is Zoe. That's cool. Yeah, my granddaughter is Zoe. Yep. Man, you young grandfather, bro. You really look like you don't age at all. Like you like have a secret recipe. You won't tell nobody. Like bush baked beans, and, and you just age so well, bro. I appreciate that, man. I take the love, man, because, you know, sometimes when, you know, when, when you get up and you're sore, you look in the mirror and you can't can't run basketball like you used to with the kids, oh, you feel like, okay, this this old fool is getting old, you know, but we good. I appreciate it. Young, I was like, this is, you know, why am I stretching? My body feels good. And then when you get old, you get out there thinking that same dumb stuff and you're like, why am I so sore? Why am I bruised? <laughs> Right, yeah, which is crazy because JLo's putting everybody in check right now. <laughs> no, real talk, shit, that halftime performance at the Super Bowl is still something to talk about. Amen. <laughs> hey, hey, I was really proud to see that. Really loved it. Her and Shakira, absolutely. Uh, man, but see, before before the uh, ferocious dog started barking, you were talking about what you're most excited for. Oh, that's right. I got, I got uh, off track there, so... Uh, really, I'm excited to get back on the road, man. I, I love being on the road. I love uh, being on stage. I love meeting fans, and and I don't think that's ever going to change. That that's that's really been such a uh, such a important element in my in my career, and I love it. I, I genuinely love it, and so I'm excited to get back on the road, get back doing shows. You know, uh, once all this stuff passes over, uh, but I'm also excited about the new music that I'm going to be dropping this year as well. Awesome, awesome. Any insight on what you're dropping? You giving out any information, any tokens? No, no, because um, I, I like to keep things secret until they drop. Just because if you say something, then you go back and change the record or do something to it, that, you know, people, well, you said such and such. So I like to keep it a secret until it's time. You know, like the old, the old wine brothers, you say the Gallup brothers, we will not sell any wine before it's time. I'm not going to give you nothing about the song until it's time. Hey, I love how you worded that because that's, wow. It speaks volumes. Amen. And, you know, talking about shows and getting back on the road, I got to make sure I give a lot of love to Bobby D Presents and Uncle Snoop's Army. You know, this show would not be where it's at right now without them brothers. And so, you know, I would have already had met you because, you know, we were supposed to, I got media for Bobby. And so, you know, the Zap Band 40-year reunion, I was going to meet you in Ontario. And hey. March 23rd, and then, you know, as we know, it got canceled and rescheduled. And that's something I got to yeah. give a lot of love to Bobby D because none of his events have canceled. It's just been rescheduled. 
Same with ours. All our events have been rescheduled as well. Yep. Amazing. See, I appreciate hearing that because a lot of the times, you know, when they cancel, that's money away from everybody, not just the artists, but everybody involved, the venue, you know, and it's just like that takes away from so many mouths. And, you know, I appreciate everyone that's still doing the work to make sure that their fans get these shows and, and everyone gets to have that. Yeah, I feel the same way. And, you know, not, not as you mentioned Bobby D, uh, I love my boy Bobby D, man. I, I met Bobby back in 2003, I think it was, 2003 or four, And it's been love ever since, man. He's one of the realest persons I ever, ever you know, rocked with. Man, no, I appreciate him. I did an interview and then, you know, he called me psychedelic and organic. He called me Post Malone. And then he was like, you know, I was like, man, can we work together? Can you, you know, can you start uh, presenting my show? And he was like, I'm down, brother. You know, you, you have content. You're, you know, you're somebody that, that I can get behind and get people's stories out with confidence without having to second guess things. And, you know, here we are today. And then Uncle Snoop's Army just got behind it last week. And so I'm just, I'm grateful and I'm blessed to work with them. That's beautiful. Congratulations, baby. Thank you. Thank you. So I flipped the end of the interview on this is my last thing before we get up out of here and I catch you off guard because I got to ask this question. You got any questions for me? Uh, do I got any questions for you? Not particularly. Okay. Yeah. No, Can you, you owe me a thousand dollars? I could, but you know, when am I going to get it back? You know, we in this air. Hey, I'll pay you back when the corona, uh, when the coronavirus ends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. When they find a cure. Man, okay, you're gonna be like, man, I'm a part of that Donald Trump check in my mailbox. <laughs> he said that thousand dollars you gave me, it's it's in there. Yeah, yeah. Just gonna, hey, gonna get your money from Donnie. <laughs> he paying all our debts. <laughs> Not with no twelve hundred dollars, he ain't gonna pay my debts. <laughs> Shit, no. But the bill I just got from this episode, he just paid it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Magic, I appreciate you. Oh my God, man! I, you know, like I said in the beginning, time is the most finite thing we have, and I really appreciate the time you took out to sit down, talking to me about your career, and, and give some gems to my listeners. Yeah, I always like to say, time is the most precious thing we have. What are you doing with yours? Hey, we want to let you know one more time. Bakersfield, Kern County loves you, man. God, thank you for doing this with us again, bro. Yeah, 661. I love you too, baby. Hey, Contrast, son. Hey, what up, everybody? It's your boy, MC Magic. You got it locked on Contrast Uncut. Should I drop some talk box in it? Contrast Uncut. You know we got you, baby, baby. Contrast on cut. Hey. All right, now I got a bill, Kev. He done sent me a damn bill. <laughs> <laughs>